0: The one thing I can't predict is when an industry is going to go through an inflection point, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we can talk about food all day, but if store buyers aren't willing to use technology, I can't force them to use it. It just happens when it happens. And so we have to be ready. Mm-hmm. It might be one year, it might be two years, it might be three years, I can't tell you when.
1: Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. Today, I'm super happy to have the co-founder of Moment Ventures with us today. So I want to welcome Clint Chow to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Clint.
0: Thanks, Christy. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, well, I'm really interested because you did mention a little bit about the name of Moment Ventures. So I want to hear a little bit about that and also just talk about your background.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks again for having me. Yeah, so my firm is called Moment Ventures. We are an early stage technology venture capital firm we're based out of Palo Alto, California and what we do is we invest in early stage technology companies. My partner and I started moment basically to work with entrepreneurs who could bring technology into and across other industries. So sort of the you know the high level version of what we do is we look at industries like food or inf- or logistics or healthcare and we just like reimagine, like, what could you do differently if you had software in the middle of that industry to run the operations of that industry? What would you be able to do differently? And if we just take food as an example, since that's a, a relevant for your audience, you know, the food industry has been around for 100 years, as long as we've all been around. And it's very established, but there's a lot of inefficiencies that work in the industry. And I'm sure, you know, those of your listeners that are food brand entrepreneurs, probably are nodding their head with us right now on the difficulties of getting distribution and logistics and managing getting products onto store shelves. We look at companies and say, okay, what could software do to change that? And so and there's a company that we, we've invested in that is solving that problem called Pod Foods. But just to back up for a second, the reason why we call ourselves Moment Ventures is, is a little bit of a geeky reason. But Moment, of course, there's this element of time associated with the, with the word, but it's also a physics word. And moment actually stands, it means the amount of force that you put on an object to rotate around an axis. So if you think about a door, for instance, how would you actually cause the door to close with the least amount of force? You would actually push the door at the very far part of the door rather than at the, at the base part of the door. And so really what we try to do is work with entrepreneurs to create, a good moment of force to help them with these early stages of of being an entrepreneur and a founder. As many of your audience members know, it's not an easy journey and it's nice to have a partner to be able to go through it with them. And that's what we aspire to do.
1: That's really cool and interesting. I mean, I think the name, I'm glad you talked about that because I didn't know that that was another way to think about moment. And it's really interesting because the industry especially the food industry i don't know i'm sure the other industries that you work in i'm sure healthcare is the same there yeah. it is so old school and it is so in need of change and it's been a really long time and it's very challenging as you mentioned to get distribution and to get partnerships when there's still a lot of old school backroom deals happening and so i think what you guys are doing is not only fascinating but also really necessary
0: What's really nice about it is that we can do this now. And we couldn't say this 10 years ago. You know, what's really interesting is I love reminding people that um, if you think about companies like Uber, Uber is only 13 years old. It's really not that old of a company, right? Yet they've fundamentally changed every one of our expectations of what technology should be for us or what transportation should be for us. Yep. And so, what's interesting about food is that, in the the for example, the two co-founders of the company we invested in called Pod Foods, they were actually food entrepreneurs when they first started. They were they were actually making a a cookie brand uh, made out of peas, actually, which is the name where, where Pod comes from. And they, oh. you know, experienced firsthand the struggles of trying to get distribution. And it's very representative of a lot of the entrepreneurs I'm sure in your audience, which are. They have this great idea and they want to make this product and reach as many people as they can. But then they end up having, because of the way the industry is organized, they end up having to be experts in all these things that they didn't really think about. Like logistics yeah. or all the different constituents that you have to sort of get to know to get your products in, onto trucks and into you know into, onto store shelves and what have you. And that's really, I don't know if that's really why they got into business. They probably got into business because they got this great formula for kombucha or they got this great way to make a new snack bar or a new product. And so Pod Foods really exists to help make that possible and make it easier for companies to be able to manage that whole process. And um, we're grateful that Larissa and Fiona, the founders of uh, Pod Foods, were grateful that they created this company because instead of trying to solve the problem for their own needs, for their cookie company, they thought, why not use software to create a solution that solves the problem for every entrepreneur that's in this right. business? And, you know, a few years later, here they are, and they're growing and they're thriving and they're in hundreds and thousands of stores around the country. And they represent hundreds and thousands of brands that are working their way through to get on these store shelves. And so, and it's all based on technology, it's a software company that tries to eliminate all of the bottlenecks that currently exist yeah. in the industry. And so really what we, as a, as an investment firm try to do is look for these kinds of entrepreneurs, people who are living in the trenches of an industry who realize that, you know what software actually has come a long way. We can actually build something to make it way easier for people to do their business. And if we can do that, right. I think we can build something, you know, lasting in importance and, uh, And that's really what we're all about is finding those kinds of companies.
1: So interesting. I guess I never, first of all, I don't think about what Uber is, but I certainly wouldn't have said I thought it was a technology company until you said it. And I think that's so interesting when you think about that and you think about how that technology changed the transportation industry so dramatically, how great is it going to be to be able to do those kinds of transformations in other industries?
0: yeah the thing the thing to, to think about is technology over the decades has has changed dramatically. It used to be technology used to be things you know like sheet metal wrapped around computer chips with software in there and you throw it over the fence to somebody in an industry and the, the only way they could use the technology was to hire software engineers and yes. write them to code and make this yes. stuff work. And I like to use the Uber example because you know we now have this phone, you push a button a car shows up in four minutes. And if it's six minutes, you're like upset, right? So yeah. yes, we've gotten to the point now where I think as consumers of of things, we don't even think about how it actually does things. We just want to know that it does what it's supposed to do, right? If it's four minutes, I'm happy. And you, the vendor in Uber in this instance, you you make it happen for us. Just don't don't burden me with all the all the other. How does it work? that work? Yeah, that's why you're in business, right? And so. And across these other industries, whether it's education or healthcare or construction or food, right? These are industries where hardworking people are running businesses, doing their thing, and the last thing they want to do is is you know have to become expert at some other aspect of you know technology or anything else just to be able to run their business. So yeah. if we do our job, we'll find companies and entrepreneurs that are doing those kinds of things and hopefully delight all the entrepreneurs that are in the industry looking for a better way to run their business.
1: I think the technology part of it, I mean, it's just changed. I mean, the pod foods is is the most you're right. It's the most relevant example for my audience. but being able to get distribution without having to be an expert in that, like mostly what entrepreneurs do and founders is they have to go hire people or or hire consultants or find people who know things that they don't know, pay them money that they don't have to do the things that they don't understand. And what's really cool about what you're doing is you're finding ways to let people do that, that are more automated, that are more turnkey, that are solving a problem without having to make lots of hires. It's really interesting.
0: Yeah. And it actually goes for both sides too. It's not just the entrepreneurs who make food brands, but it's the people on the other side who are the ones who have to fill their shelves with the products that people want. Of course, if you want to, you know, stock all your shelves with Coca-Cola and Nabisco-based products, that's fantastic. But there, are, we as a consumer, you know, a society, oh, we're yeah. asking for products that are healthier, more locally sourced, more organic, yeah. more healthy. But how do you how do how do you get those products onto the shelves? So, you know, Pod Foods works with some great, you know, buyers like Sprouts and Irwin in central markets out of Texas and dozens and dozens of other, you know, main brand uh, stores. And they basically connect them with these entrepreneurs that make food brands. And so in a way, you know, technology is really just a utility now, right? It's not really, I mean, I know it's a really big industry, but it's also a utility to make things happen more efficiently Yeah. at the ends of those technologies, as you well know, Christy, are people. People on the ends of the technology use that technology to make life better or make the industry work better or make their business work better. And that's what it's all about. I think sometimes we let our imaginations go a little bit too wild and say, well, technology is going to change everything and remove people. And, And it's far from it, in our opinion, because I think at the end of the day, it's the people that use the technology that are going to make the difference.
1: What do you guys look for? I mean, this seems like this is a you know it's you're not just in food. So you said food, healthcare. What was the other third?
0: Well, we do food, healthcare, logistics, Mm -hmm. uh, oil and gas. We'll look at education.
1: So you're open to any industry, really, right? Yeah. And Um, how do you decide what? How do you guys vet in companies?
0: It's a great question. We we have a very specific what we call lens that we look at companies through, and entrepreneurs end up finding us either through word of mouth or through our great you know we have we're fortunate to have a really great network of people that know what we're trying to do and entrepreneurs find us and we we can see patterns based on their story probably the the, one of the primary ingredients we look for is we look for entrepreneurs that are sort of living in the trenches of that industry and what I mean by trenches is I'm not necessarily saying that you have to be CEO of some giant company in the food industry to be interesting. You could be in the trenches, right, uh, on the ground floor because you might see a problem that other people don't see, right? We have an investment in a company, in a logistics company that actually works in the food industry as well called Flowspace. The founder of Flowspace was running the logistics operation for a company called The Honest Company down in Los Angeles and he tells this great story where you know one day he was responsible for finding warehouse space for 300 pallets of diapers and he just he realized like it's really hard to get warehouse space because one the industry is just not set up for sort of instantaneous demand for these kinds of things and so he similar to Pop Foods decided you know what if I have this problem I bet you everyone else in my seat has this problem. Why not build a software solution to help change the industry forever? And so that's what they've done with Flowspace. And, and now they're serving you know, thousands of customers um, in, in um, e-commerce and anybody who's looking for um, you know, Amazon-like delivery experiences, except not having to work directly through Amazon.
1: Well, interesting. You know, It's the same as when I think about the founders I've interviewed many of them were similarly trying to just solve a problem. Like they saw something that they wished they had or wished they could fix, and then they created it. And largely those are food brands and health and wellness brands. But what you're talking about is the same exact idea. Like someone who was in an industry that was like, this is not working, it's broken. And I see how it could be fixed really. I'm not saying easily, because nothing's easy, obviously, but just had a vision for how to change an industry, which is even bigger than creating a brand in a way.
0: What they bring to the table that is interesting to us is perspective, yeah, they bring like in other words, w- when we invest in a company, we really don't want to be tuition money for them to learn the industry, right They already right. know the industry right, right. And so what we want to do is we want to help them with the the early days of blocking and tackling and getting their company up and running, and how do you run a technology company successfully by being able to articulate your value proposition to those that you are appealing to and how do you make it easy for them to consume your technology? We have have a company um, called Touring Labs. It's also in the food space. They basically work with the innovation teams behind food brands, people who are formulating products in in the food industry. And one of the big challenges for innovators is every time you change an ingredient, for example, Uh in their product, it takes this exhaustive set of tests and sometimes can take a year to introduce, you know, a lemon flavored version of your product, let's just say. Yes. And, and the reason why is because they have to do these tests after tests after tests. And the founders of the company came up with the idea and said, look, why can't we use technology to eliminate all of the tests that don't need to be run? In yeah. other words, if we know that, this ingredient won't work well with that ingredient. Why test for it? Let's let's mm. only test for things that we think could work. Yeah. And so their product Turing at uh, Turing basically, um, you know, reduces the amount of time it takes for a company to introduce a product to market from months and months to you know hours and days. And they've been having a great run at it. They've been um, very successful in the early days, but um, it's largely because they lived in that industry. They saw exactly what it took, I think they were saying this wasn't a food brand, but one of the early customers was a, a laundry detergent company, a, a very well-known one, by the way. And they said it took like 100,000 laundry loads of testing just to do one change in an ingredient
1: wow. in formula.
0: And in the food industry or in the CPG or laundry detergent industry, when, when you have to do a change of ingredient, sometimes it's not just out of convenience, sometimes it's out of necessity like uh, you're running out of an ingredient or you go into a country that doesn't have access to that ingredient and you need to make a change with an alternative. How would you know what to change and what would happen if you did? And you have to know exactly what are the implications of that. And so technology is a great solution for that. And so we're excited that they're making a good run at it. And so if you just look at every industry, food and, and others that we've talked about, there's just this spectrum of you know, areas in which you can actually use technology to help focus making work easier, if you will.
1: How did you decide to do this? What were you doing before this company? Uh-huh.
0: Well, so before I became an investor, I was a, a startup person in, in the technology industry, and I was always the early sales and marketing person of that company. And so I sort of grew up with sort of trying to take a, a technology, and in the tech industry, it's sometimes very hard to understand. And I tried to help make that translation to the customers that we felt needed the technology. Although it was a very long time ago, but one of the companies that I really credit for giving me all of the knowledge and experience about what can happen for a company that becomes successful, I was part of a company that actually invented a video algorithm called MPEG, which certainly we know today. And it's the reason why you and I are on video today. Yeah but we created this video algorithm that nobody knew anything about. And we helped launch massive industry successes like direct TV and, and digital cable and, and you know computer video and what have you. All those things are, are there because of the innovations that we helped popularize. So I got to see firsthand what it's like for a, a no-name company to come out of nowhere and basically create a value proposition and make a huge run at a big established industry and change the way they can do things. Mm-hmm. And that gave me the inspiration to you know, move over to the investing side to say, you know what, I bet you every startup company has that same aspiration. They've got these giant competitors that are telling them that it'll never work and yeah. it's impossible and, and they'll never do it. But I tell you, there's something in those entrepreneurs in, their, in the conviction that they have and the vision that they have, uh, and we want to help them do that. But um, it's all about making that value proposition you know very well, very easy to understand by the by the customers, and then how do you get them to use it? And you know, if you do that right and you have a chance to potentially run the table on the industry, you can change the behavior of the industry altogether. That's what we're trying to do. With moment, we're trying to find companies that can literally change how an industry works forever if they do it right
1: how do you know when they when well I, i'm sure you don't know 100% but when you feel that someone has it right what's what is it that makes you feel that way is it the is it something about the founders is it are are, do you, are you requiring them to have data that supports their story or just is it just a combination yeah
0: it's interesting uh, well certainly we look for founders that have that we believe have the conviction and the and the skill set to make a you know a long run at it. But actually in the early days when you really don't know if a company is going to make it, we actually, the litmus test for us is really what kinds of customers are you able to bring onto your side of the table to help sing the praises of what you're trying to do. Back in my days, you know, with this company uh in, in the MPEG space, my one of my first customers was this crazy startup that had this idea this was in the 90s right this is a crazy startup that had this idea to eliminate the cable industry by shooting satellites up into the sky and saying we're gonna we're gonna beam 500 channels of tv programming into your living room without any cable and that company was direct tv it was a startup and of course they went on to be a huge success and but it's the same kind of thing so at pod foods for example we look at the companies that they Are able to get onto their platform. When Sprouts signed up, and this was actually fairly recently, when Sprouts signed up, what a massive endorsement. A company with that kind of reach is saying, look, we want to use your technology to be able to reach these kinds of brands. And then when you see brands like United Sodas or Better Booch and, and these kinds of companies that want to use a digital platform to reach to reach those store shelves, that's a great endorsement. So we we are looking for founders that are capable of reaching those influential early adopters, because really what you're doing is you're, you're ultimately going to stand on their shoulders because they're the ones who are actually on the store shelf, right? They're pod foods in a perfect world. No one's ever really can even know who they are, right? Because they're, they're the hero behind the scenes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Making
0: it all happen. And that's great. That's what we're looking for.
1: Do you have advice that you give to people who are trying to start companies like the ones you're invested in?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think what's really interesting is that when we see these founders who are oftentimes living in the trenches of the industry, at the end of the day, if you are going to use technology to solve your solve this problem, first of all, make sure that it's a problem that others have and it's a common problem. You know, you need to get your word out there to some of these early adopters. You have to be yeah no if no one knows about what you're doing and or can't find a way to use what you're, you what you're providing then at the end of the day it really doesn't matter so we're really looking for people who are who are capable of getting their word out to people and and being able to network with influencer influencers in the industry maybe they should talk to uh sawtooth to, uh, to get their word out but um, that's right <laughs> yeah but yeah. that's the kind of thing really can yeah. they be influential because at the end of the day it's an, an evangelism game you're really you're talking about changing the world, at least the world that you're you're about to transform. And there are many people who don't want you to succeed at it. Right. Because they have so much to lose. If, oh,
1: and, my gosh. I right? mean, changing industries. Yes. It's terrifying for the people who are really in them and have been there for a long time and are really set in their ways. It's terrifying. So, I mean, yes.
0: imagine, imagine if your entire livelihood was built off of an inefficiency that existed in an industry, that might be good for you because you're in business, but at the end of the day, cookie entrepreneur and the store buyer, they need to connect without yeah. that kind of inefficiency. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I want that cookie and I want that product and I want to be able to buy it. And I want to be able to buy it at the store right down the street from where I live. Yeah. And I don't want to have to go through a bunch of hurdles to get there. And I also don't want to pay a bunch of unnecessary fees to get to that product. And you could take that, take that and move into the travel industry, same kind of hassles and and issues to e-commerce, same kind of hassles, right? Education, construction, you know, every one of these industries is built on inefficiencies that I Mm -hmm. have an opportunity to become more efficient.
1: So interesting. You said something really. I think, profound in a way. You said at the end of the day, it's an evangelism game. And I think that's true for startup brands, for technology companies. But talk a little bit more about that because I think that's something that people really need to understand because without it, you could have the best, best ideas and solve all the problems of the world, but so what?
0: That's right. Well, well, I think at the end of the day, sometimes an early entrepreneur can get caught up spending too much time talking about their product. Mm Mm-hmm. Of course, important to talk about the product. What's more important is really talk about the problem that you're trying to solve. Yes, this is not necessarily relevant specifically to just your company. Right, you're really talking about the movement. What is really going on? If we talk about the food space, you know, the fact that it's so hard for upstart brands to get on the store shelves—that has nothing to do with any specific company. But if you're the company that's actually building something. Really talk about the problem. And if you can talk about the problem and get people to nod their head about, you know, that, hey, yeah, we need to see, uh, you know, we need, we need to change the industry. That creates the movement. So the evangelism is really talking about the problem as it in affects people in, in, in the ecosystem. From there, you'll have plenty of time to talk about your product and your solution and why you can solve that, you know, that burning problem. But first and foremost, talk about the problem itself. And so, but it, it, you know, a lot of times some entrepreneurs, they, they can get caught up in trying to talk too specifically about their solution. And in fact, if a lot of times entrepreneurs who build something, it's possible they haven't built the exact thing that the industry needs yet, right? Maybe they have to pivot or they have to modify their solution to address the needs of the industry when it becomes more apparent what it is they need to build.
1: Any companies like that where you felt like they didn't have it completely right, but they were onto something and so you you worked with them or do you wait until they're at the place where you really see it clearly?
0: Well, it was interesting and yeah, we have this one, we have a company in the education space, a young entrepreneur came out and wanted to build a platform to help schools find substitute teachers mm-hmm. right? and uh, it's a company called Swing Education. This is a problem that exists at every school, K through 12, every day. Yeah. Around the country, somebody gets a phone call at six in the morning and yeah. they have this hair on fire experience <laughs> like I got to get somebody into English at eight o'clock. otherwise somebody else has to sit in that room like the principal, which is not good for anyone, right? And early on, it was he thought it was a uh, a kind of an esoteric thing for private schools to be able to do that and and what he ended up finding out was that every school has this problem, public school, public school districts. And it ended up becoming a really interesting business to build because the schools already have the money to find substitutes and they just want to fill the seat. right? They need somebody in there right away. And then what he discovered was that there are thousands and thousands of people out there who could be perfectly suitable substitute teachers that aren't necessarily teachers or maybe they aren't teachers yet. And so by building their platform, um, they're able to sort of become this interesting on-ramp for people to realize, hey, you know what, I'm, I'd probably be pretty good at this, or I really enjoy this, right? And so, again, back to the early comment, it's a technology solution, but it's the people at the end of it that get impacted. They're the ones who are the real value. And so sometimes entrepreneurs, you know, they focus too much on the technology and not enough on the value proposition, I guess. the Yeah. The point.
1: That's really interesting. And I think really, really good advice. What do you want to be doing in five years? I always ask this the founders of brands, like where do you want your brand to be in five years? But what about you?
0: One of the things that my partner and I talk about all the time is that this investment thesis that we've created, it's very timely, right? As I mentioned, Uber is pretty young still, right? This is a very Mm -hmm. timely thing. I think we have decades to play this out and we still won't be done. So yep. we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of companies to you know, back. You know, We would love for, for a moment to continue to grow. We would like to grow our funds such that we can be even bigger supporters of our companies. One of the things that we do know is that these companies will require capital as they grow. And so we certainly would like to be play a bigger role in being able to do that. The one thing I can't predict is when an industry is going to go through an inflection point, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we could talk about food all day, but if store buyers aren't willing to use technology, I can't force them to use it. It just happens when it happens. And so we have to be ready. Mm-hmm. It might be one year, it might be two years, it might be three years, I can't tell you when. However, I can probably venture that in 10 years, it will absolutely happen. Yes. So what better time than now to create a venture brand to really focus on that? Because it will happen over the course of the next decade, let's say. And so we just have to be patient and help those companies get through all those early stages to, you know, come out of that as the as the leading influencer to create that change. So if I had my day, uh, I would love for I would love for this to be our, you know, my final final gig to see this thing through. And I'd also like to be able to you know, create a company that can pass the torch to younger talent to be able to continue on this campaign. And, and we can just continue this brand for as long as we can see, which would be great. It's really gratifying and enjoyable to work with young entrepreneurs that have this kind of vision. Yeah. By the way, that sounds romantic and it sounds great that they're doing it. Don't get me wrong. It's hard work. Yeah, uh, Lewis and Fiona at Pod Foods work their butts off to create this this company. We don't forget that for a minute that they have the hardest job. <laughs> Our job is to really be there and cheer them on and give them somebody to talk to when they need to get through some issues, and also maybe lend some experience on what we've been through. But we have a lot of work to do. What's the other thing that's interesting is that uh, we see patterns that emerge. What works in the food industry might actually also apply to the yep. travel industry or yep. not apply to the education industry. And so sometimes when we have a company that's doing something that's never been done before, we can actually glean insight from another industry to say, you know what, in that industry, this kind of dynamic happened. You know, maybe there's something we should think about or an influencer that we need to get engaged with to sort of knock down some hurdles that exist. Yeah, And then sometimes other industries don't behave like the one that you're in. And and you have to sort of know, you know, why is it that certain industries work and certain industries aren't ready for something, certain things, right? And so that's what makes our day jobs super enjoyable and never boring.
1: Do you think that things like COVID or big giant events are catalysts for the kind of change that you're talking about
0: in yes. general? Yeah, absolutely. COVID was an interesting, obviously, it impacted all of us and in far more meaningful uh, ways. But what's been interesting, I'll go back to my substitute teacher company called Swing Education. In 2021, 2020, you know, the need for substitute teachers literally plummeted to the, to almost zero.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Cuz we weren't going to schools, right? Yeah. So it really tested the metal of the entrepreneurs to say, okay, how long is this going to last for? What do we do in the meantime? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what do we do when the market starts to come back? And, you know, in 2020, how could you know how long this was going to be? And we're still not out of the woods yet. No, right? we're
1: definitely not.
0: One of the things they did notice is that through a couple of, of trying quarters, they did they did realize that one big insight occurred to them, which is we as parents, we want our kids in the classrooms.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: We tried them at home. It's We love them at home, but it's a hard thing to learn and be immersed in education when you're sitting in your bedroom, right? So we knew, they knew that the kids were going to get back into the schools. So they knew that there was going to be a time when subs were going to be in need again. They basically kept their heads down. And they um, actually, 2022 has been a banner year for them. Wow. Um, they've come out of the woodwork, and they they had a record. They, they finished their year uh, with a record year, and no sign of any slowdown whatsoever going forward because – we're back to, we're sort of back to the game again. And and actually schools and substitute teachers, that's like a a completely recession proof market that they're in. So I I have really high aspirations for them as they continue to build on. But other industries, you know, like travel, we're just getting involved in a travel company. You know, travel hasn't really seen that much innovation in decades as far as as, uh, technology is concerned you know, but I think the behaviors of all of us as travelers has changed dramatically, right? Now we we do think a little bit about before we jump on airplanes now, and mm-hmm. we are probably a little bit more price sensitive now than we were before. And we care about things differently than we did before the pandemic. Yeah. And so, so I think the tra- the big players in the travel industry are really grappling with you know, how do you get companies to do more offsites and how do you get people to jump on airplanes yeah. to go see customers? Yep. When we can just sit on a Zoom and, yep. and you know, maybe that's good enough. Uh, we know that it's great that I can talk to you on a Zoom. I would much rather be enough. in your office talking to you in person. Exactly. So we have to manage that trade-off. And so industries like travel and education and logistics, all these companies have to figure out what's the like what's the balance? How do you manage the hybrid of virtual and in person? And how do I make sure that my solution is serving the needs of those that are in either or an environment? And that's the tricky part. And COVID was sort of the a change agent, if you will, on, on our behavior. Some things are just perfectly fine for us to be on, on a virtual interaction for, and some things might be better suited to be done in person. Uh-huh. So but really, it's incumbent on entrepreneurs to sort of figure that out. And how do you figure it out? Again, be involved with those influencing companies in your industry to understand what their experiences are like, because really, you're serving them. And, and how do you come out of this together to build a better way of doing things? And so I kind of think that there's going to be, you know, we're, you know when the pandemic is officially behind us, if it ever gets officially behind us, I think we'll look back fondly at the changes that we all made to yeah. accommodate
1: for that. Yeah. Right. I want I want to ask you about healthcare as an industry before we wrap up because yeah. I think that from a COVID perspective, that changed the way, certainly the way people feel about yes. healthcare. Do you see anything big happening in that, in that industry from a technology perspective right now?
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think as as consumers of healthcare services for all of us, I think some things have been very well served by virtual interactions you know, mm-hmm. the fact that um, care providers have created technology solutions to allow us to interact with them more efficiently. Like just the other day, I was sending an email to my doctor about shoulder pain I was having, and I was just sending an email. It used to require making an office visit to go do that. Yep. So some things have become more efficient and easier, but I still want to see my doctor, right? Yeah. I still, I still want to be there and have her be able to see exactly what I'm experiencing where a virtual interaction might not actually yep. suit. So so that's certainly one thing. There again, like I said, there's this medium happy medium of what should be hybrid, what should be in person, what should be virtual and what combination of those things are going to be the steady state for our behavior and needs going forward. So that's one thing. The second thing is that we are at, at the dawn of a new era where in healthcare, for example, we've never had access to so much data to be able to help shape decision making on what we should do with our for our healthcare. That's right. Uh, there are all sorts of opportunities to to use data to make better decisions, and so we've actually gotten involved in, in with a number of companies that can actually bridge you know, sort of connect healthcare with technology to create ways to better inform our doctors, better inform our care providers, better inform our insurance companies, and better inform our, our consumers what they should be doing to take care of themselves better and, or how to pay for things in, in healthcare and how to find professionals easier. I mean, we all know what life was like before, certainly before the pandemic in finding a doctor for something or seeing a doctor for something or paying for something. It, it was just far too complicated. So I think we're 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 at a we're in a very interesting decade I think we're going to see a, a, a lot of innovation in this world in the healthcare world. I hope so.
1: I mean talk about an industry that needs it.
0: Oh yeah. Now yeah. there's regulatory hurdles, there are of course, um, privacy like is, privacy yeah. issues we have to figure out, but that that should not get in the way of us finding the right solutions for these kinds of problems.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well I cannot thank you enough for all your time. I really enjoyed this interview. I learned so much from you and I'm I think the parallels are so cool between technology and any other business. Just I love the parallels that you drew around being able to tell your story and have a vision and and really see something through because you were in it. Like it's really interesting and I think there's so many good parallels. And I also love that you're doing things that will help the kinds of brands that I'm obviously working with as well. Well, thank you first
0: of all for having me. It's been a a pleasure to be able to tell our story and relevant to your audience. Again, I think I'm guessing that many of your food entrepreneurs got into the food business because they have a passion for the product that they're making.
1: Yes. Yes. I don't know
0: if they're passionate about getting product onto I could command. almost
1: guarantee you that 98% of them don't want to deal with that and have no choice, but yes. Oh,
0: and we want, what we want is for them to become really expert at promoting their product and That's right. working with yeah. groups like yours to be able to do that. Yeah. And then maybe groups like pod foods to help them on the back yes. end of it. And so yeah. uh, if anybody wants to look further into it, podfoods.co is their website There's actually a great little link on the pod foods website. That is what I call, um, it's an, a cost calculator. So you can currently, you know, plug in how many pallets you move of this and that, and you can actually evaluate how much you're spending on your current distribution versus working with them. And and maybe they can be a phenomenal for your brand customers.
1: Yeah. I have a bunch of people who I'm going to send there. I think it's awesome. I really do. It's very exciting.
0: And we're looking for more. So Any entrepreneurs out there that are building interesting technology solutions for this industry, please, we're momentventures.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Clint Chow and be happy to uh, talk to anybody about this.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Clint. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.